This morning, i got to get there too. Joshua chapter number 14, that's where we're starting. And so again, if you find your way over to Numbers, uh, that's where we're, uh, excuse me, I said Joshua. Joshua 14 is where we're going to end up. Numbers 13 is where we're starting, all right? Numbers 13 is where we're beginning, and, uh, and that's where we're going uh, to get, uh, get uh, started uh, today. I hope that you had a wonderful New Year's, and uh, we had the opportunity to get to go back and visit some of my family. First time we to do that in a few years, and so thank you, church, for allowing me to be able to slip away, and appreciate Isaac stepping in and uh, running things last week, and I did not tell Isaac our theme for the new year, uh, but uh, he preached on our theme for the new year, so thanks a lot, Isaac, still in my thunder, but uh, needless to say, uh, I'm looking forward to this new year. Uh, I guess you could say he must have been intentional about it, I wasn't, and so uh, this year, our theme for the year, intentional, okay, we're intentional, an intentional pursuit of God. And that's our heart this year. We're going to preach on that subject this morning. We're going to dive into God's Word. Before we do, let's pray. We'll ask for the Lord to help us, and then we're going to dive into His Word this morning. Let's, let's ask for His help. Father, thank You for the time that You've given us to be able to come and open Your Word for a few moments. And now, God, I pray that You give me the words that You desire for me to say. Lord, You know that the preparation has been given. But, Lord, I, I don't want to get in the way just with what I want to say. Lord, I want it to be what You want. God, thank you for each person that's here. They've come to hear from you, and I pray, God, that your word would be clear, and, Lord, that we would be changed for having been here. And, Lord, I pray this year as we start this first Sunday off, may we pursuing you intentionally, God, pursuing you. And, God, may we see you change our lives in these coming days, even this morning. We pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, as we come to Numbers chapter number 13, Israel had escaped Egypt. They had been delivered by God. We know the miracles that God had done, the, the, the incredible plagues that God rained down upon Israel or upon Egypt, and ending with the death of that firstborn that we saw there in Exodus. And finally, the children of Israel made their way out. They found their way to the edge of the Red Sea. And as they were there, we know that Pharaoh's army came approaching from behind. And again, they needed God to do the miraculous, and that's exactly what God did. God reached down, and as, as Moses stretched out that staff over the water, God parted the waters, and they walked across on dry land. When they reached the other side, it was an incredible thing. As, as Pharaoh's army began to cross across, and God brought the waters back down upon them, delivering Israel from the, those, that, that Egyptian army for the rest of time. It's just an amazing thing what God did for the children of Israel. Many have said, well, that's impossible. I don't believe that really happened. I think it's just a fairy tale. You can go to this day. In fact, they've went and they've dove on one side of that Akbar Sea, the Akbar Peninsula, and they've dove on one side. They went down, and guess what they found in the water, buried in the water? They found chariot wheels. Isn't that cool? What's amazing, you make your way about halfway across to the other side, side, they dove down. Guess what they found? Chariot wheels. Listen, friend, it really happened. It really happened. It's not just some fairy tale. It's not just a made-up event. No, God really did the miracle. He delivered the children of Israel. And now they find themselves on the other side. God has prepared for them the opportunity to enter into the land that He has promised them, the land that we know as the promised land. And Moses decides that he's going to bring a few of these people together, a few of these guys, and they're going to go and they're going to spy out the land. It's exactly what happened in, in Numbers chapter number 13. Look at verse number 1. The Bible says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their father shall he send a man, every one a ruler among them. And so here we have a God comes to Moses and he says, Okay, Moses, you need to send one guy from every tribe, every twelve, uh, one of the twelve tribes, send one man. They're going to go and they're going to search out the land that I've already given to you. Go and spy it out. See what it looks like. 
See what I've given to you. And let them bring back the report about it. So that's exactly what they do. Twelve men of Israel, they find their way into the land of Canaan. And the Bible tells us for about the next 40 days, they begin to search throughout the land, seeing all the things that God had given to them. And they finally return and they bring back the report to Moses and Aaron. The blessings that seemed greater than they ever could have imagined. Down in verse number 26 of Numbers chapter number 13, it says, And they went and they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel, and to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They begin to show the fruit. The fruit was incredible. The Bible tells us that they were grapes, clusters of grapes, that were so large they had to be carried on a pole between two men. We know this back in verse number 23. The Bible tells us there that they came into the brook of Eskel and and cut down thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between a staff, and they brought the pomegranates and of the figs. I mean, this was an incredible land that God had prepared for them, a land where they were going to be blessed beyond their wildest dreams. But then, of those 12 men who spied out that land, 10 of them spoke up in verse number 28. And this is where everything began to go downhill. They said, nevertheless, even though there's all these blessings, these incredible things, nevertheless, the people, they be strong that dwell in the land. The cities, they're walled, very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites, they dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and all the other termites. He said, listen, all these ites, they're all here. They dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, by the coast of Jordan. You know, I just have a feeling that those ten that were crying weren't the ones that were carrying the grapes on the pole. I just, I just have a feeling, okay? Forty days before, God had already told them that this land was theirs for the taking. This land with the grapes, the land with the flowing of the milk and the honey, the land that God had promised them was there, but now in fear, they were choosing to turn from the promises and blessings of God that God had laid before them. In the midst of the panic, one man stands up. Verse number 30. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I'm convinced that Caleb had to take the pole off of his shoulder and set it on the ground. And as everybody's panicking around, and the ten men are are, are beginning with fear in their eyes. Oh, the the guys, there's there's just so much, we'll never be able to overtake it. Moses, uh, uh, Caleb had to stand up and say, guys, shh, everybody be quiet. Listen. God's already given it to us. We are well able to overcome them. We are well able to possess it. His response was one of faith. His response was one of a pursuit of God and His plan. But the ten could not be persuaded. Their fear had overtaken them, and they responded in that next verse, verse number 31. The men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the children of Israel, saying, The land, unto search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are of great stature. They're big guys. 
saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sights as grasshoppers, so we were in their sights. We can't do this. These guys were huge. They're big. There's no way that we could take them on. And with that, with the fear, with the doubt in God's promise, because of that, Israel would spend the next 40 plus years wandering in the wilderness. In chapter number 14, we find God's predicament, God's, God's pronouncement upon them. In verse number 22, it says, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. God had so much in store for them. But when they saw the giants before them, they forgot about the God that was with them. Over in Psalm chapter number 78, verse number 41, it gives 41 and 42, it gives a powerful couple of verses. It says, Yea, they turned back, tempted God, and listen, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand, nor the day when He delivered them from the enemy. Stunning. Unbelievable. The God that created the universe with just a spoken word. The God that said, and there it was. Who designed the intricacies of the human body, which scientists and doctors today can only dream of duplicating and imitating. The God that created the mountains all around us that we're able to enjoy. The God that created the seas that are so vast. The God that created the universe that we cannot wrap our minds around. The God that has the power to do all things. And yet, that God was limited by finite man because of their fear, their unbelief. You know, friend, I wonder what incredible things God wants to do. In 2024. What amazing things he wants to do in your life. What incredible things he wants to do here at this church. That he's going to be limited. And unable to do it. Because of our unbelief. Last year, start of 2023. I'll never forget it. We, Isaac and I, we were doing some planning and things, and I remember we were sitting over there in my office, and Isaac said to me, he said, I think this year we could see a hundred people in a service. And I remember him saying that, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I looked at him and I was like, oh, you, you're so, so young, so, you know... <laughs> No, I mean, at that time, I mean, honestly, when we started 2023, we were, you know, averaging around 50, maybe 60 people. We had a high day, I think, of like 76 or 78 or something like that. That's the most people we'd ever seen in our church. So when he said, I think we could see 100 people, I just kind of smiled. Oh, you, you know. Listen, I'm thankful somebody had faith. (laughs) Because it sure wasn't me. (laughs) 
The shock that I experienced on December the 24th, whenever we couldn't stop setting up chairs and people were sitting out in the foyer out there and Isaac told me after the service that there was 130 people that came to the service that morning. I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking, oh ye of little faith. I'm glad somebody had faith because I sure would have limited God. As we begin 2024, I can't help but wonder... What ways does God want to work? And my natural response is to limit Him with unbelief. I mean, what family member is in your your family that it's like, they would never come to church. They'll never get saved. That will never happen. That's impossible. And God's sitting there just like He was with Moses saying, hey, stretch out your hand a little bit and let me show you what I can do. And the water's part. What situation are you dealing with at work? What, what, what problems are you facing in your life that you're just sitting back and saying, it'll never happen. There's no way. And God's saying... Oh, just watch. Now listen, we're not talking about a name it and claim it type of thing, okay? That's not what we're talking about here. But what I'm saying is there's so many times we limit God and what He can do in our lives because we just have a lack of faith. Because of unbelief. Because of fear. I'll be honest, when when Isaac told me, he said, listen, I'm praying that we'll have 100 people. One of the reasons that I thought that couldn't happen is because I was afraid. Because I was like, what would we do with 100 people? I mean, like, that's, that's really what I thought. I was like, where would we put them? What would we do with them? I'm having a hard enough time trying to reach the people that we already have. How would we do that? You know, I mean, like, it was just, ah! They limited God. So many times we do the same thing. You see, here's the key. Faith is not the absence of fear. Sometimes we get in our heads, okay, if I'm going to have faith, there can't be any fear, there can't be any doubt. No, 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 that's not what it is. No, 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 listen. Faith is trusting God more than my fear. Faith is trusting God more than my doubt. Faith is saying, okay, uh, just like the, 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 the Hebrew boys that were there that, that walked up to, before uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. He said, oh king, we're not careful to answer thee of this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not... We're still not going to bow down. You see, you don't have to be some super Christian. You just have to trust God more than your doubts. Oh, what God can do. On that day, those 12 men before, stood before Moses. Ten of them were captured by fear. But two of them believed God. Caleb and Joshua. We are well able to overcome them. You know what's interesting? No one remembers the name of the ten. Do you realize that? Let me read them for you, okay? Shemua, Shaphat, Igal, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Shethor, Nabi, and Geol. 
How many of you have a friend that's named after one of them? All right, you know, I mean, like, I mean, when's the last time? In fact, until I just said those things and pronounced them incorrectly, until this moment, okay, you didn't know those were in the Bible, okay? That's just, that's just the reality. We, I mean, like, nobody remembers the 10 of the 12. I mean, it's only 10 names. Nobody remembers. You know who we do remember? Caleb and Joshua. How many of you know what Caleb? All right, we had one with us. How many of you know what Joshua, right? Caleb, Joshua, we know them. Why? Because they were incredible men. No, 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 it wasn't because they were incredible men. Not because of great acts that they did. No, they're remembered because while everyone else around them responded in fear to the path God had laid before them, Joshua and Caleb intentionally pursued God and his plan. And they responded by faith. Now here's where things get interesting. Chapter number 14. Look at verse number 1. This is crazy. Verses 1 through 3. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And the, This is right afterward. And they wept that night. The very day, all the children of Israel murmured against Moses, against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, What God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or what God that we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey? We're, we're not better for us to return into Egypt? This is crazy. The people that rejected God's plans because of fear now blamed God for the results of their decisions. Unbelievable. It's a regular occurrence at our house, all right? I'll tell my kids, stop doing that or someone is going to get hurt. And mere moments later, a child comes running into the room crying because exactly what I said was going to happen happened and somebody got hurt. Listen, I'm convinced that most of the time that I find myself in a hole, it isn't because God put me there. You can pretty clearly see the shovel that I'm holding in my hand most of the time. In Proverbs 26, verse 27, the Bible tells us very clearly, Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein. All right, And he that rolleth the stone, it shall return upon him. Some of you men should make that your life verse in your house and stop. Just stop, okay? Whenever you start that, you know, you're going to win this converse, this argument with your wife, you're going to win. All right? Just memorize this verse, okay? You dig the pit, you're going to fall in it. All right? Just, 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 I mean, it's a Bible principle. It would be a good thing to memorize. If you found yourself in a hole in 2023, it may not have been God that put you there. Maybe it's because we're sinners, and sinners make bad decisions, and we have to deal with the consequences of those decisions. But that wasn't the case for Caleb and Joshua. They didn't dig the hole. They didn't roll that stone. They had done right and responded in faith, and yet they found themselves in the same place as the rest of the children of Israel, because sometimes it's a situation that's out of control that leads us into the pit. Don't believe me, just ask Joseph. It wasn't Joseph's fault that his dad chose to love him more than his other brothers and give him that coat of many colors. It wasn't Joseph's fault that his brothers hated him and threw him into that pit. It wasn't Joseph's fault that they pulled him out of that pit and sold him into slavery. It wasn't Joseph's fault that there he was being a faithful servant in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife lied about him. It wasn't Joseph's fault that he got thrown into prison. 
It wasn't Joseph's fault that he was in prison and then got forgotten by Pharaoh's butler. No, that sometimes things that happen to us are out of our control. But here is the key that Joseph, or excuse me, that Joseph understood, that Caleb understood, that Joshua understood so well. You cannot always control your circumstances, but listen, you can always control your response to them. You cannot control what happens to you all the time. You cannot control all the situations of life and the circumstances of life that happen to you. But listen, you can always control your response to them. Turn over to Joshua chapter number 14. This is where we're going to finish up today. Joshua chapter number 14. I heard one preacher say as you're flipping from Numbers chapter number 13 over to Joshua chapter number 14, just a couple of books later, you say, well, what happened in those, those passages in between there? I'll tell you what happened. Everybody that didn't believe God died. And then we come to Joshua chapter 14. I'm saving you a lot of time in your Bible reading, okay? This is important, okay? Joshua chapter number 14. We find our way there to verse number 6. The children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, oh, there he is, the son of Jehunah, the Kenizzite said unto them, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Caleb recalls that day, now 45 years ago, when he was 40 years old. But don't miss Caleb's response to the circumstances that were out of his control for all those 40 years that the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. In verse number 8. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I, wholly, followed the Lord my God. Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine in inheritance and thy children's forever. Because why? Because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. All the way back over in, in Numbers chapter number 14 and verse number 24, after he had the situation where God said, Listen, you're not going in the land because of your doubt. He looked at Caleb and he said this, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath Followed me fully, wholly, completely. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. For 45 years, while it seemed like his prayers would never be answered, while it seemed like he would never get to see God's plan come to fruition, while it faced struggles and difficulties and uncertainties and circumstances that were outside of his control, Caleb continued to wholly follow the Lord. Listen, he intentionally pursued God. And I love what he goes on to say in Joshua chapter number 14, verses 11 and 12. This is cool. 
This 85-year-old man stands up and listen to what he says. As yet I am as strong this day as I was back in the day that Moses sent me. How many of you that are, you know, you're getting a little closer to that 85 than the 40 would look back and say, man, I feel just as strong today as I did back then. I mean, listen, I mean, Caleb, I mean, you just love his ambition. You love his, his drive, his passion, the fire that's in him. He says, listen, I'm ready. Let's go do this. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fight. That's what he says here. Look again, verse number 11. He says, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go in, uh, go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. I love it. I mean, here Caleb is. Uh, here, 85-year-old man. 45 years after God said, I want you to go and take it. And Caleb said, hey, we can do it. And everybody else said, oh, we can't. Caleb's like, really? And for 45 years, he's on the, the wandering around the wilderness with all of them, going through all the struggles that they went through. You can read, I mean, I'd encourage you, don't skip it, okay? You can go back and read the rest of Numbers and read through it and see what the Bible says and see the things that they faced and all the struggles they went through. Listen, Caleb was right there through all of it and it wasn't his fault. He didn't cause it. He wanted to go up. But listen, 45 years later, he looks and he says, oh, these last 45 years, I just kept following God. Oh, and I'm ready. The day I've been dreaming of. The day that, listen, I pillow my head every night and every night. I dreamed that I'd walk into that land again. And I'd see those big clusters of grapes. And, and I'd see that, that, that river flowing with milk and honey. And he said, I, I, every night I've dreamed about, oh, and listen, there's a mountain there. There's a mountain. And he says, I want that mountain. I'm ready. God, I'm ready. Let's do this thing. I'm done done with this wandering and he said I'm not done pursuing God and his plan let's go take that mountain and the results of 45 years of intentionally pursuing God look at verse 13 and 14 Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite unto this day. Why? Because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He didn't stop. He intentionally pursued God. It's the first Sunday of 2024. There's a whole year in front of you Many of you have undoubtedly set goals. You've made plans. You've set things out in front of yourself. I want to be at this place at this time. I want to lose this much weight by this time. I want to do this and do that. And these are my goals that I've set for myself. You have hopes for where you will be at the end of the year. We heard a message last week from Isaac about the importance of being intentional with our planning, with our schedule. But I wonder how will you respond when things don't go according to your plans? How will we respond when the circumstances change? When things aren't all that you had hoped that they would be? How will you respond? My prayer is that as a church, you will determine today, in 2024, to intentionally pursue God.
You will not stumble into a closer relationship with God. It will not happen. You must be intentional about it. You will not grow spiritually on accident. You must be intentional about it. So today, as we finish the service, I want to ask some practical questions that require intentional answers. This is so practical. I'm telling you, this is like, we're, we're going to go through these real quick. If you have a pen and paper, maybe you want to write them down. Maybe you just have a great memory, all right? But I'd encourage you, tuck these away. Think about them and be an intentional about the way that you answer. All right, here we go. First question. Do you want to go closer to God in 2024? It's an easy question, okay? But the question requires an answer, an intentional answer. Do you want to grow closer to God in 2024? If your answer is no, well, then we we might have a different problem, okay? It could be that you've never began a relationship with Christ. And that's where we need to start. You need to accept Him as your Savior to start that relationship with Him. That's where it begins. The Bible tells us that we're all sinners, that there's a punishment for sin called a lake of fire for all of eternity. I don't think you want to go there. If you do, something's a little loose, okay? Listen, nobody wants to go spend eternity in a lake of fire. Say, I want to spend eternity in heaven. I want everlasting life. Great! The Bible tells us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way to get there. There's only one path. You cannot choose many different roads. No, there is one road, the Bible tells us. And it's through Jesus Christ, not through you. Don't miss that. Because that's the difference between religion and what the Bible says. Religion says, do these things and you can get heaven. You can get eternal life. What kind of things? Well, things like going to church. Is going to church a good thing? Yes, it's a good thing. Will it get you to heaven? Not one step closer. All right. Getting baptized. Is it good to get baptized? Yes, after you get saved, it's good to get baptized, but it gets you one step closer to heaven. Absolutely not. What about giving money to the church? That one's up for debate, okay? So if you want to give some more, that'd be... No, I'm just kidding. Okay, listen. Giving money doesn't get you one step closer to heaven. Being a good person, having good works, all of these things that you and I can do, they don't get us one step closer to eternity with God. If it was the case, Jesus would have said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, but there are many ways to get to heaven. That's not what He said. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, No man comes to the Father but by Me. It's only through Christ. Why? Because the payment for sin is death, and so what did Jesus do? He died on the cross for you and for me. So what do you have to do? You have to accept His payment. God, I believe that You died for me, that You rose again the third day. He's the only one that rose again and never died again. Jesus, I believe that You died for me. My place paid for my sin, and You rose again. And I know there's nothing I can do to get it myself. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. The Bible says that if I believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, that yes, Jesus Christ died for me and rose again, thou shalt be saved. Friend, if you've never made that decision, that's where it all begins. The rest of this isn't going to make any sense unless you have this figured out. You have to start your relationship. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. 
There was a moment where I married Tressa. A moment. I do, I do, you may kiss the bride, boom, okay, we're married. That was the moment. There's a moment where you accept Christ as your Savior. It's not an, well, I've just always been saved, I've just always believed in God, well, my family's always, no, 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 friend, that's not the way it works. I don't make the rules, okay, God does. His word does. Religion, some religion doesn't make the rules, God does. So we have to play by His rules. His rules, there's only one way. Through accepting Jesus Christ's death on the cross for you. Friend, if you've never done that, you've got to get settled today. Do you want to grow closer to God in 2024? If your answer is, well, I don't know, then it could be you've just never tasted of a relationship with God. You know what the Bible tells us in, in Psalm 34, verse number 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, listen, friend, I believe this. If you truly get a taste of God and who he is, I don't, I don't think you're going to be able to walk away from it. When you really taste God for who he is, you want more of it. The problem is, is so many times we aren't tasting of him. We aren't spending time with him. And therefore, the desire to know him more isn't there. So this morning, do you want to be closer to God in 2024? Well, the answer is yes. Well, then how do you want to be closer to God? <laughs> okay. I know you say, Kyle, this is so simple. I know, but that's the way my brain works. Sorry. All right. But here we are. All right. So, so you want to be closer to God? Well, how do you want to be closer to God? In what way? Do you, do you want to be closer in your knowledge of the scriptures? Is that what it is? Do you, do you want to be to grow in your knowledge of a specific area of the Scriptures, maybe a specific topic in the Scriptures that you say, you know what, I, I don't really know that very well, and I'd like to have a better uh, understanding of this specific area. Then you say, you know what, Kyle, those verses you were just talking about, you are just quoting about salvation, I, I'd like to know those. And, and in 2024, that, that's what I'd like to, to get nailed down this year. Do, do you want to grow in your prayer time with God? Do you want to grow in your... Bible memorization. Some of you are here like, Kyle, my brain, it just can't memorize things. Listen, there, there are songs that come on the radio. Nobody listens to radio anymore. But songs that you listen to, and listen, you listen to it like three times and you have it memorized. Okay, don't tell me you can't memorize. It just takes work. All right, that's it. The, the older you are, the more work it takes. Our kids now, they sit and they pick things up like that. I struggle a little bit. But, but, but listen, maybe you say, I want to memorize Scripture. That's, that's something that I really want to do this year. Is that one way that you want to grow closer to God? Do you want to grow closer to God in your service to Him? Do you want to grow closer to God in your faithful worshiping of Him? How do you want to grow closer? to God. Get it nailed down. Why? Because we need to be intentional. Intentional about pursuing Him. Alright? You want to go closer to God? How do you want to grow closer to God? Hey, we're not done yet. Here's the next question. What habits do you need to input to be closer to God? You ever heard of wishful thinking? Alright? Church, church members are, are great at wishful thinking. Pastors are great at wishful thinking, all right? I mean, it's just it's something that we do. I think it would be great if we did this. 
And then my wife has to come along and say, well, how are you going to do that? And it's like, I, I don't know, but I just really want to do this, you know. And, uh, you know, somebody's going to bring you back down to earth. And so the question is this, how, what habits are you going to input so that you can be closer to God? I read a quote recently, and I thought this was so good. It convicted me, all right? It says this, we overemphasize the importance of setting big goals. And we underemphasize the importance of establishing small habits to achieve them. Don't miss that, okay? That is a great quote. I think I actually have a slide on it. Andy just doesn't want to put it up there for you. Okay, there we go. All right, here, here's the quote. I'll read it for you again. And we overemphasize the importance of setting big goals, and we underemphasize the importance of establishing small habits to achieve them. Here's what happens. We, so we, we get our goal sheet out, and here's my goals for the year. Boom, 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 boom. All these things that I'm going to do, and this is what I want to do. I want to be closer to God this year. What does that mean? <laughs> How are you actually going to do it? And what habits are you going to put in place to make sure that you do? This is huge. You see, if you want to grow closer in your knowledge of the Scriptures, what habits will you put in place and resources do you need to invest in to help you to do that? Maybe you need to invest in a book or something like that. Maybe you need to invest in a curriculum. Maybe you need to, to enroll yourself somewhere. There, there are different opportunities in the world that we live in today where you can get good resources to help you to grow in your knowledge of the Scriptures. If you want to grow in your prayer time, what habits are you beginning to establish when you pray so that you can have a prayer list or something like that? If you don't have a prayer list, you cannot be intentional with your prayer life. I'm just telling you it's impossible, okay? You have to have a prayer list. There's some intentionality, some things that you put in place. Listen, you have to have a time that you're going to do it. If you don't have a time, it'll never get done. If you want to memorize more scripture, what plan do you have for which verses you are going to memorize, and and, and how are you going to do that? Are you just going to open the Bible up randomly and just be like, okay, I'm going to memorize this one today, you know? Or are you going to be intentional and say, okay, here's some specific subjects, some specific topics, here's some specific things that I'm going to memorize these specific verses so that I can know God's word in a greater way. If you want to grow in your service for God, and what areas are you going to serve, and when are you going to do it? Friend, whatever area God has spoken your heart about, be intentional about your pursuit of Him. Intentional about it. Now, we're not done yet. We've got one more. Do you want to know Him? How do you, do you want to grow closer to Him? What habits are you going to put in place that's going to help you to do that? And this is so important. How will you stay accountable to the habits and goals you've set? How are you going to stay accountable to those habits and goals? Who are you going to tell about your goals and your habits you've set that's going to come alongside you and help you to stay accountable? You know, I think Caleb was thankful that he had Joshua. And I think Joshua was thankful that he had Caleb. Isn't it interesting there was two of them, not just one of them? Two of them carrying the pole. If one dropped it, the other one would have known. Accountability is so important, and it's an area in the church that is just scarce. But if you're going to be intentional about it, you really mean this, all right? God, I want to grow closer to you this, this year. Then listen, you got to be accountable. If you're serious about going closer to God in 2024 and you think it's just going to happen by accident, I can tell you this, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> you're choosing to allow life to happen to you without any intentionality and you will just simply respond to it instead of 
being intentional. Now, if you truly want to grow spiritually in 2024, you must have an intentional pursuit of God. And part of intentionality is accountability. Can I tell you this? That's one reason that being a member of the church is so important. Because it's great to have people that know who you are, that you know them, and they can come alongside you and encourage you. And listen, you can come alongside someone else and encourage them. So many times this is what happens. It's just the reality. I had somebody tell me one time, say, well, I just don't know anyone. Nobody comes, nobody comes and talks to me. Nobody comes and shakes my hand. Nobody, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, get up out of your seat and go talk to someone else, all right? Take some ownership. Go make a friend, all right? I mean, just be intentional. And one of the wonderful things about a church is when you connect, whenever you, whenever you build that, that relationship with someone else, Somebody knows when you're not there. Somebody knows whenever you're, you're, they can just tell something's off. Transparency is a good thing. Sin, sin dwells in darkness. Our flesh loves darkness rather than light. It loves alone. It loves seclusion. But when we open ourselves up to God and, and maybe one or two people that, that are godly people that are going to come alongside us and encourage us, can I tell you what it does? Oh, it helps you stick to the stuff. Say faithful. It could be that you're here this morning and you're thinking that you're good where you're at. Coming to church is checking off enough boxes for your life. You're good to go. I don't need any more. Can I challenge you this morning to ask God to give you the spirit of Caleb? <laughs> I love Caleb. The spirit that even at 85 years old, he was still pursuing God. The spirit that came and said, whatever may be around the corner, whatever this may hold for 45 years in the wilderness, he just continued to wholly follow the Lord, to intentionally pursue God. And this morning, if we had a church full of people who would make the conscious decision to intentionally pursue God in 2024, can I tell you this? There is no telling where we could be at the end of the year. There's no telling what God could do this year. We got new seats, but listen, friend, we may run out of room. And that's a good problem to have. We'll figure things out from there. But listen, more importantly, there's no telling where you could be at the end of the year because you decided to intentionally pursue God. I hope we'll come together. And just like Philippians 1.27 says, let your conversation, your lifestyle, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He says, make, let, let your lifestyle make the gospel look good. That's what he says. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, Paul says, that I may hear of your affairs, what you're doing. Here's what I hear. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I hope we'll all decide this morning 
Lord, help me to intentionally pursue you this year. And there's no telling what God could do in 2024. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us to be able to open your word. Thank you, God, for the example of the life of of Caleb, the example of the life of Joshua. Lord, these guys that just chose, even whenever the rest of the the crowd around them was, was responding in fear, God, that they responded in faith. And I pray, God, there be some in the room this morning that would respond to the challenge that's been given, Lord, this year to be intentional about their pursuit of you. God, it's practical. It's so practical. It's so simple. And yet, God, if we would do the simple things, the things that we ought to do, there's no telling what you could do in our lives this year. It's a great day to start, and I pray many would. We'll give you the glory for it.